2: hello everyone welcome to thursday afternoon here on ausbiz and we always kick off the pm as usual with the call 10 stocks that you suggest put to two of our experts uh, for their analysis and what a day to be having the call sort of all the bears are running rampant on uh on the us market and also the australian market so who better to hold our hand and take us through it and give us their view? On our ten stocks and the markets overall, than Julia Lee from Berman Invest. Julia, Great welcome to back here. to the call. Good day. What and Mathan Somersandaran from Deep Data Analytics. Mathan, you would be rubbing your hands in
1: glee today, wouldn't you? You've been waiting for this for a while. Uh, it's you know it's inevitable. You cannot beat the cycle, and the cycle biting back. Yep.
2: Uh, yeah. Well. Um, quickly, Nathan, is this the start of the cycle? or just a bit of a glitch?
1: Uh, I think it's the start of the cycle. Um, it, the cycle started before, switching out of growth to value. And I think there's going to be a bit more violence attached to it because of what the Fed has pretty much put out there, which is similar to what ECB told you.
2: OK, so how far has it got to go?
1: Uh look, it, it just comes down to where the retail investors panic and then they'll be followed by passive money following the way down. Um, Look, the bond yields can fall down to 40, 50 basis points. That's a long way down. And there's a lot of money that will run out of equities into bonds.
2: Okay. All right. From grumpy guts, let's go (laughs) to (laughs) Julia Lee. Julia, let let me put it. (laughs) Uh, That's why I decided to stick with Nathan and sort of he he could give us the full blow by blow. And then come to you. What do you think as a trader? Uh, Is this a start?
0: Look, I think corrections are pretty normal on the market and markets have been getting overheated and it's reporting season at the moment in the US. We're about to head into reporting season here in Australia and it's crunch time. And the fact is that it has been momentum stocks that have been rising in value over the last year. And when it comes down to earnings, well, those momentum stocks have little to offer in terms of, of earnings. And look, we've seen a disappointing result coming through from Tesla. The Nasdaq futures are trading down, but look, we've seen time and time again in the past 12 months that the corrections on these markets have been fast and pretty quick you have to sort of act fast um, to take advantage. Okay
2: so give me one stock that you have had on your watch list waiting for a pull pull back.
0: Yeah I mean East Coast housing is one area that's been doing well so just increasing exposure to that area and that's being sold off pretty hard uh, today I'd probably wait a few days um, until it washes out but uh, Am I allowed to say what's on my watch list before yeah. I buy into it?
2: Ah. <laughs> yeah, just a ask.
0: we friends. Maybe things like uh, Reese, GWA. I think they're going to report right. very well.
2: Okay. Make them well, um, downturns bring opportunities, don't they, all the time. Um, what do you have on your radar?
1: Yeah, look, there's always winners and losers. Um, there's real opportunities to play out. Um, if you look at historical trends, I think the big trend is obviously the bond yields and I've spoken to you about this you know, numerous times. Yep. Um, and I think the bond yield starts, you know, it'll probably come down on a market sell-off and then it will climb again. For me, the one that everyone hates at the moment is the insurance sector. Uh, it looks ugly. There's there's no other way to put it. It's just everything that can go wrong. It looks ugly, bad, downgrades, uh, premiums under pressure. That's the time to buy um, i would be buying the local clean aussie dollar earner in iag they're, they're a solid player and i'd be backing them wow
2: that's interesting all right well we've got uh, iag coming up on our list today and anz we'll look at them in more detail but first up stock of the day i thought we'd take a look at invocare which owns and operates funeral homes cemeteries and crematoria around Australia, New Zealand and Singapore. And um, you would have seen White Lady Funeral, Simplicity Funerals, Singapore Casket, all owned by InvoCare. Operates over 290 funeral locations. InvoCare employs around 1800 people. And um, while the rest of the market is being crunched today, InvoCare's share price has gone up. <laughs> Julia, why it, it, does this relate to a report I read saying it's one of the most shorted stocks at the moment is this the reason for
0: it? I don't think there's a huge rhyme or reason to the stocks going up or down today. I mean, if you have a look at the stocks going up, there's a handful of, of around about 10, Invocare being one of them, News Corp being another of them. And look, Invocare has been one of those businesses which have been under pressure because of COVID 19. Yeah. They've been under pressure because less people have died than you would have expected because more people are washing their hands, social distancing. Yep. <laughs> so um, look, Invocare has also been hit because of the lockdowns as well, which means that um, my of the funerals has to be done online and less people can attend so there's less of a spend in terms of funerals as well so this one is that one that investors and traders tend to play as a reopening trade Uh. because it means they'll be able to make more money per head as the lockdowns lift and people are able to actually attend funerals. And of course, after COVID-19 and after the vaccine, you know, we might go back to our old habits of not washing our hands and the number of people who've also put off going to the doctor. So things get diagnosed later as well. But generally, deaths is usually quite a stable cash flow defensive type of business. So InvoCare probably benefiting from being a defensive type of business. Would you be
2: buying it at these levels? Uh, no. No.
0: Not no. for you? No, I mean, you know, you, you usually get go into a company like InvoCare for the yield. Um, yep. If I was looking for a reopening trade, I'd be looking at something more exciting right. um, to put in okay. my
1: bottom drawer.
2: All right, Nathan, what about you on InvoCare? Remembering, uh, I love Julia's term there. What did you say? Death is really quite a good money spinner?
1: Um, stable. Stable Death money spinner.
0: quite a stable cash flow business. That's one, one, one
1: spin to
2: put on it. What do you think of
1: InvoCare? Yeah, I'm not dying to get into this one. Ah, <laughs> but it had to come. It had to, it had to come. It had to come from you. <laughs> yeah, it had to be out there. Uh, look, it's it's one that uh, has a structural problem of the overall industry. There's a really good business, um, and it's it's you know as with anything, it's a supply demand play. But the reality is, in the UK, you saw the industry change <laughs> because when they started to sell pre uh, pre sold funeral plans. Uh, because what happens is, as humans, when we do funeral plans, we tend to overpay and go for the exotic stuff when you are emotionally involved. But when you are doing it in advance, you're not that emotionally involved and you tend to go for a more more of a cost-effective model. So that was the biggest hit on the industry and that hurt overall everywhere. And we saw that in the UK have a big effect. But the, the recent move in the last bounce that you're seeing today is actually linked to the um, what's happened in the US, where uh, the retail money has squeezed the short covering, and that's popped it. So if you look at the top 10 short stocks in Australia, um, you've got your ta- Tassel, which is one of my plays at the moment, which I thought would will happen to. It's getting short squeezed. So is in Ingham Chicken. So is um, Invercare. All of these guys mm. are getting squeezed because the liquidity isn't great. And there's, I think, somewhere around 10 to 15% short in most of these cases. And you want to, if everyone's trying to get out at the same time, you're going to push up the price. And that's what's being played out at the moment. Everyone's worried that we might get those kind of coordinated short squeeze plays in small caps with a lot of uh, shorts. And so in a market that's falling 2.5%, um, these all these shorted, heavily shorted stocks have run hard. I mean, if you think about what happened with the... Um, the lithium stocks, in Infilbera, Galaxy and Oracobra, they were sitting at 15% short. And those stocks went three times when the short covering went through. So yep. the short covering can really hurt um, the shorters. Okay, so
2: Invocare not for you though?
1: No, no, not not. it's a bad industry at the moment. Okay, all
2: right. Uh, let's get to the stocks that you suggested we take a look at. And uh, Janet, thanks for sending in your suggestion. And, and Julia, Janet, what's a view on ANZ Bank, I noticed Morgan Stanley has gone overweight big four banks for the first time in six years today and and ANZ's their preferred big four. I must
0: admit that in the last few months it's the first time that I've been buying banks in a long time as well and look banks are cyclical when you do see interest rates falling they tend to benefit negatively it has a negative impact because um, you know they're able to get less of a margin in terms of their loan book but when rates are going up they benefit positively and look the next move in terms of rates is probably going to be up so the time to be buying banks is before those rates go up and the markets I think looking at that and also looking at the the housing credit numbers which have been much better than expected the housing market has been pretty resilient ANZ in particular has been gaining market share in terms of housing which I think is a positive I prefer to play the banks through Bendigo and Adelaide because of our rural bank I think that rural Australia is doing a lot better it's come mm-hmm. out of the drought we're seeing uh, high yields mm-hmm. in terms of crops cattle prices are looking good as well um, but in terms of the big four banks I'd be
2: overweight this year as well okay so would
1: you be buying anz ANZ looks case? good here yes. okay all right Nathan all oh, look, the banks are interesting here as Julia said it's a reflation trade that tends to play for the banks um, I think the banks do as well as the market uh, but are they going to go back to their heydays I don't think so um, I think all their easy wins in credit cards and foreign exchange and all of that have been taken out by fintechs so they're predominantly linked to the property cycle um, the you know, we were down to 10 basis points on interest rates, um, the next cycle is up. So, we know that the property market is having a bounce predominantly driven by first-time buyers and they've been given a lot of grants. I don't think that'll be sustainable. Um, so the banks have done well, they've had a good bounce, they were historically cheap two, three months ago. Um, now they're ac- actually pretty expensive on a relative basis, but they're not relatively expensive when you compare them to the growth stocks in the industrials, so the question is where it, it's a portfolio play if you're in the industrials you're better off buying the banks and that's what the major fund managers are doing in recent times um but if you're a retail investor are you going to be picking a bank to outperform over the next four months for me it doesn't quite stack up i think if you're playing the re- reflation trade you're going to be predominantly in the re- in the resource sector or you're going to be in the food sector because they're going to be the ones that benefit from reflation quickly uh, so in that context I, I don't think the banks are going to shoot the lights out but look If you're in the banks, they're going to do okay. I don't don't think it makes a huge difference which one you're in because they've divested a lot of their differences. So now they're pretty boring, they're pretty similar. And the dynamics, historically, retail investors, for some reason, always have paid a higher premium for CBA uh, for the right or wrong reason. I don't think there is much right reason anymore. But look. Ian's at a nab rather than underperformers. So, you know, I always prefer if you're going to pick boring, pick the ugly guy and Ian's at a nab stacks up.
2: (laughs) Okay, all right. Thank you, Janet, for that suggestion. Now, Victor um, uh, is following on from uh, your comments a little earlier. Nathan wants a view on IAG by the sound of it. It is so bad that it's worth looking at.
1: (laughs) Exactly. It's one of the ones I classify as an ugly boy. Um, Everything looks bad. Uh, they're very good management, it's just the sector is in the wrong dynamics. Um, and as I expect if the market pullback plays out, bond yields will go lower because money will flow out of equities into bonds. And that'll probably pull back the insurance sector a bit. And that should be your buying point for IAG. I mean, you, you have to think if it's going any lower, you have to believe that the business is going under. I don't think these guys are going under, they'll be around in 10 years time. So in that context, I think these guys benefit from a reflation trade. Um, banks have had a good bounce. insurance sector hasn't so this is the underperformer cyclical turnaround I'd be playing the insurance sector okay but at these levels or wait for a pullback oh I think the pullback is being played out now in the market and IAG will have a bit of a pullback I look up you know you never pick the bottom so you buy bit at a time over the next couple of weeks right Julian
0: yeah I think that the insurance companies aren't looking good at the moment, Uh (laughs) both QBE and Insurance Australia Group. You've seen that in terms of the share price action this year, and part of that is business interruptions. I mean, the business interruption claims, um, there's already been a provisioning set aside for, I think it's $865 million for Insurance Australia Group. So there was the negative outcome of that court case last year. So they've pretty much set aside around about a third of the value of their business interruptions, which means, you know, they are, Um, I guess getting ready for a worst case scenario and if that worst case scenario doesn't eventually wait well some of that money will find its back way back to shareholders. Which is
2: why a lot of people are like in the big four banks banks, they reckon they've over provisioned on the downside and they'll start bringing dividends back and pretty good performance
0: yeah absolutely um so the banks have the the more aggressive provisioning that they had as well which will probably be reversed given the worst case scenario hasn't played out and the economy has jumped back a lot faster than expected and you probably see the same from the insurance industry as well having said that insurance australia group shares are in a downturn at the moment i would wait for the shares to bottom out and that's how I prefer to uh, play things, because often these corrections uh, can go a lot lower. And of course, yeah. you know, we've seen that the market is governed by emotion a lot of the time and humans, and they do tend to underreact and overreact. And they overreact on the uh, the downside as well as the upside. So yeah. I would just wait for the correction to play out first. Okay,
2: all right, good point. Uh, thank you for that, Victor. Dan wants to view Julia on Intertech Pivot. They basically blow things up, explosives <laughs> company, um, but also in the fertiliser business too. And um, when you've got a, uh, a rebounding rural sector, as you were saying earlier, uh, Julia, with the, um, with the regional banks, and um, um had manufacturing plants in Australia, US, Canada, Turkey, Mexico. They're a big operation, aren't
0: they? Yeah, I really like this one. We have it in the portfolio. So um, looking at uh, this year, and I think it, fuel and food is going to be a good theme and Tech Pivot has both in the area of fertiliser as well as explosives. So I think the mining side of things, which is explosives, will do well. And look, the last result was disappointing in the Dino Nobel side, which is the explosives business. But given that we have seen commodity prices so strong and mining activity bouncing back, as well as mine has been cashed up, I think that bodes well for mining activity and the explosive side of the business. The fertiliser side of the business is what really moves earnings, it's sort of the the wild card which um, can give it a big boost up and it's been a great start for the fertiliser business because of prices. Prices have been moving up and we've seen grains performing well as well, although just recently this week they've been quite volatile but often if you have a look at grain futures soybean futures these tend to be a leading indicator of what's going to happen in right. the fertilizer space but you're right the the agribusiness activity here in australia is picking up and i think that bodes well for incitech pivot
2: it's an interesting point you make though that that in some companies some divisions just give it more zoom yes. than other divisions and and for incitech it is that fertilizer business
0: it is the fertilizer business i think that gives it more of an earnings lift um yeah. and that positive yeah. earnings surprise coming through or negative earnings surprise coming through but this year i think they're going to have both of those engines tearing along both the fertilizer side of the business and dino Nobel, right. which is the okay. explosive yeah. side so of they're the all business
2: aligning. didn't know that all right uh, Nathan, what do you think of incitec pivot
1: yeah look i like the sector overall um, i'd pick any any of them uh, insect we new farm uh, orica all three look good um, for the two reasons, as you said, the one blows up stuff, the other one helps the farmers, and both of them, on a sector thematic, their clients are doing really well. So in, that should flow through to them. Um, we've been long all, all three stocks. Um, Orica has been the underperformer. Uh, I actually think Orica is one of the best uh, top ten businesses in Australia. Really well managed. Um, they used to blow themselves up, uh, not anymore. Uh, they you know, I, I think. The thematic for the mining capex hasn't started to flow through. Sorica so is really cheap for a top 100 company, um, so that same thematic hasn't really kicked in for Instech Pivot as well. So we've been long these stocks on the models for a while. Um, I think Instech Pivot's run about 30% in the last three four months. Um, New Farm's done similar kind of move. and These are value trades, so that's what you want to be in. So and it's a recovery cycle. So look, if you're long Pivot, look if you're Long Instinct I'm holding it. If you're not in Instinct Vivec, i would probably think in the pullback you'll get another bite at it and I'd be a buyer of the stock. Okay, uh, but your preference in that sector would be Orica. At the moment, Orica is the uh, laggard and it's probably the best managed business out of the three. Oh, interesting, okay, all right. Thank you for that,
2: Dan. Uh, Jim uh, made the want a view on CompuMedics, their medical device company. Uh, di- diagnostic technology for sleep, brain, and ult- ultrasonic blood flow monitoring. Uh, Owns a couple of businesses uh, in Germany um, as well and throughout Asia, Asia
1: Pacific, and Europe. Oh, look, I have to admit, I didn't know much about it, so I had to read it up. Um, look, it's, it's an interesting tech play. You know, it's, it's a space, the bio, biotech um, area is heavily in favour. It's a growth story that everyone's looking at in that sector. So this is not a surprise factor for people. Um, and the last update wasn't great. Um, so I have to say, it's a small cap. You want to have, you know, the sector is in real demand. People are looking at that sector, people are paying high premium in that sector. And if you're not hitting your, uh, I suppose, traps now, it's going to be tough because I think the multiples in the future won't be as big as the ones that we've just had. So. Um, I think you're kind of missing the cycle a bit, Uh, and the last update did not excite me, and it didn't definitely excite the market. So I'd say you're going into a period where you're not going to get much information flow after the recent updates, Um, and it's a small cap that hasn't done as well as probably most others in that sector, so that's, you know, for me, I think you want to wait and see till things improve. Okay. All right. Julia, do you know know, much
0: about CompuMedics? This one's been around for decades and look, it hasn't done too much. So it's nothing really to get excited about. There's no huge catalyst that I can see here that would drive the the shares up aggressively. I mean, if we have a look at the last update, they did see their sales orders up by 13%. But then you saw revenue down by 7%. And they said that the difference is that they've had uh, problems um, with shipping delays around the globe, which contributed to that. So they have been impacted by COVID-19 and the situation there but essentially they look at sleep diagnostics so the technology behind sleep diagnostics so look i think it's a relatively stable type of business unexciting i'd probably be pretty neutral on it
2: yeah and that's so almost what you're saying is it's a company that's caught in a bit of a rut Um, yeah hasn't gone anywhere it's been around a long time so how do management get investors enthused about it and show that it's it's not going to be beige for the next and i while.
0: and i think it is about bringing it into the, the modern day like you know if you could think of a i guess an extra revenue source right. um but at the moment they're, they're mostly in the diagnostics area so technology so it is an essential part of the healthcare space, but I just can't see any major catalysts coming through. Mostly, you know, you see the shares rising on things like sales contracts coming through, um, but obviously it's more difficult to get those sales in through the door and then ship them because of yeah. what's happening around globally in the healthcare system.
2: Okay. Well, let's go from uh, one sort of med tech to a, another yeah. tech company, yeah. Julia, and um, uh, Rob wants a view on 4DS <laughs> memory. Um, it's it basically holds a whole bunch of patents, doesn't it? For yes. this technology that Uh, storage technology
0: it is uh, storage technology for our computers mainly Um, so having a look at 4DS I think this is an interesting one is it is a speculative one and basically when you look at storage on our computers you're looking at things like flash drives um, you're looking at RAM and the problem is we're consuming more and more memory so the existing infrastructure that we have just doesn't cut it so there's a whole bunch of companies around the globe scrambling to find a solution to this 4DS being one of them where they are in a joint um, collaboration with uh, iMac to try and produce a mega chip. Megabit chip. Um, So, look, it is a technology-based company. I think they do have some pretty big backers. Western Digital. There's a subsidiary Mm -hmm. there that works together with them. So, it's nice to have some big names on board. Um, And look, it has been well backed um, as it makes some progress. Had had
2: a good good run recently too.
0: Yeah. So, it's just really about proving this technology. Essentially, they're looking at the size of the memory, but also scalability, durability, uh, lower cost, and also endurance. So. So, look, I think the next few years will be interesting and no doubt that, you know, our computers do need more memory. So there's certainly a need there. And whoever can sort of be the next, um, I guess, the next one that dominates this space would be be a positive.
2: That solves the problem. So what you'd have to do as a high high very interesting.
0: High spec and, yes. Okay.
2: Sort of a bit of punting money, if you like.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Nathan, <laughs> <laughs>
2: what do you think of 40 years?
1: Yeah, look, I've actually followed this for a number of years. It's, it's a really interesting tech, um, it's, it's small, like these, these things take years to get to execution, so there will be delays, but it's an interesting thematic at the moment, because if you think about um, you as a personal user, you have a laptop. Um, Before, memory was a huge thing, you know, you could have a small, if you want a smaller and smaller laptops, you needed to have really highly efficient memory management. But now you've got cloud, so you can be anywhere and it it Mm. comes down to how quickly you can connect through the telecommunication networks to your cloud. So, you can get as much memory as you want, as long as you have a very good connection. So, it's a challenge between, um, can you get something like a 5G offering that gives you very quick Connection compared to something that allows you to store uh, everything in your side of things So I think there's a challenge that's going to be played out. I don't know who the winner will be um, But you know, there's a number of these really small tech stocks like Brain Chip, Forty They're all doing really exciting stuff uh, And Julie is right. I think you want to have a bit of a punt at them if you have got that punt money But it's not your investment strategy uh, but these guy's are really interesting area, and they have been for years. But look, it'll take a number of years before this gets anywhere. Okay.
2: So, so would you put it in the uh, a high spec buy category now? If you're, you what, know, yeah, bit of fun if, money.
1: If you're looking at, yeah, if you're looking at a multi-year, uh, you know, growth fund, uh, this right. would be one of those small ones that you buy. Okay. All right. Uh, that's
2: our first five stocks. Let's uh, have a bit of a recap. Uh Invocare, a no from both mathan and julia um julia sees a really shift good shift to the banks at the at the moment um any of the big four including anz is a good time to go forward mathan seeing it as well but maybe wait for a pullback to get into the banks um iag julia says wait for a pullback on the the price mathan's happy to go with iag now it is a really ugly company that's been absolutely battered could just be primed for going forward, so uh, and take advantage of that. uh, Incitec, uh both Olivia and Nathan um, like Intertek Pivot. Olivia, um, uh, sorry, Julia, <laughs> Julia, um, and uh, Nathan like Intertek Pivot. Uh, Nathan, if out of the sector, if you're new into the sector, would probably go for Orica, um, but Intertek Pivot is uh, is a good company. CompuMedics, uh, a no from both. And 4DS memory is um, a very much a speculative buy. If you uh, wanna put it in the bot- bottom drawer, forget about it. And you know it might do something great into the future, but it's really interesting technology. Now, here at the call, we've got our own portfolio that we've been tracking since July 1 last year, all thanks to our partner, NAB Trade. It's sort of a, a fantasy portfolio. All the stocks that get two thumbs up from our experts, as sort of Incitech did today, um uh gets put into the portfolio if that stock comes back in to the panel later on and and doesn't get the unanimous buy well then it goes out of it and it's um, a bit of fun and shows you how markets can change let's see how uh the portfolio has been going uh for the week it's down over half a percent uh for the month up one and a half percent and since july the first It's up 25 and a quarter percent. And some of looking at some of the recent stocks added, AuthorSell, Wykehawk, Grange Resources, BetaShares Global Banks ETF, and Objective Corporation, Big Ten Cans in there as well. You can check all of the stocks we have in the calls portfolio by heading to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Coming up um, on the pulse just after the call. Harnish Singh from ACY Advisory takes us through the legal ramifications of the current GameStop Bruhaha in the United States, and more importantly, whether it will happen here. That's uh, from 1pm right here on Ausbiz. That will be fascinating, the legal ramifications. Everyone's talking about it, um, mm. isn't it, Julia? This is... Uh, a stock that's absolutely gone through the roof in the last week or two because of a concerted com- campaign for investors.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess um, there's been that risk rising all throughout the globe. So um,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. All right. So all the details of that just after one o'clock. You don't want to miss it. All right. Let's get into um, the second half of the call. And Julia, Paul wants a view on ReadyTech and another tech stock. Uh, into uh, people management software for educators and um, in career transition, sort of um, a big HR platform, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so there's two divisions, employment and um, also uh, education. So in the area of education looks at managing the student system. Of course, education has been under pressure because of what's happening in terms of COVID, in terms of funding. Um, But certainly on the HR side, that's been quite interesting, HR payroll. And they've just made an acquisition of open offices, I think it's called. Mm. Um, The good thing about this business is that it's mainly reoccurring revenue, which means it's relatively stable. Um, But I don't think it's hugely exciting at this stage of the game i'd probably be pretty neutral on this stock
1: okay all right mathan yeah it's a it's priced like a tech stock i mean it's absolutely on massive multiple for what it is and julia's right um there's acquisitions uh, growth i mean it's logical i think both areas are pretty good um and they've done pretty well share price has bounced back to what it was pre-pandemic uh, multiples are pretty high it's not a big cap so you've got liquidity issues um, I just don't see the upside that's going to surprise you when you're getting in where it is now. So I think if, if you've been there, you've done well, um, I think there's better options. Um, it's not the sexy tech stocks. Mind you, right now, I would want to be in the tech stocks. But um, it's not the end that's going to deliver massive growth as well. So I think you, you're in the wrong mix for the valuation that is trading at. So I'm not getting into this one.
2: Okay. All right, Paul, thanks for that suggestion. Now, Nathan Gemma wants a view on Pacific Smiles Group. They operate a chain of dental centres where independent dentists practice and provide clinical treatments. um, Would it be fair to say that it's very similar to the uh, insurance broker roll-up, but this one's for for dentists, that they all club together and, and, um, and make savings on it?
1: Yeah, you, you think it's, uh, you know, they had a few issues in the early stages. This was, it didn't look exciting, there was going to be problems, but, you know, they've done well. Um, this is one area where the roll-up has worked, and again, this has benefited from falling cost of borrowing, um, and it's, you know, you're buying things that are lower multiple than what you are trading at, so, in context, you do well. So, that roll-up model worked, and they've executed really well, so, you know, you've been in the stock, you've done well. Um, Well done, because most people didn't think that this would play out as well as it has. Mm. Um, So, um, you know, I would say you've done pretty well. I'd I'd probably look here and say, you know, keep an eye on it. If things start to show any negative signs, I'd take the money and go somewhere else, because you've outperformed most expectations in the market for a relatively boring part of the business model. Uh, The management has done really well.
2: Yeah. Um, They were saying, what, to the end of December, they had a fourteen percent increase for for the uh, their financial year, fourteen uh, percent patient fee growth, added seven new centres with another seven new sites this year, Julia, or so there.
0: I like this one. They're expanding pretty well. (laughs) I like this one. I think it's really difficult to do a roll-up model well, and they're doing it well, and I think it's due to two factors. One is that it's a hugely fragmented industry. There's independent dentists here and there doing it by themselves. So once they get rolled up, I think there is some benefits in terms of increasing the revenue at those centres, mainly because they've got the backing of HBF, which is trying to internalise our dental claims. Ah. So this HBF story has really helped this rollout story, and particularly so, the, Smart, these guys are Smart. the
2: preferred dental supplier, if you like, a preferred dentist for HBF.
0: Yeah, so they've been mm. riding on the coattails of HBF and yeah. what they're trying to do, and that's behind uh, some of the acquisitions that they've made in this space as well. So they're accelerating the number of new centres. I mean, it is a company in an upgrade cycle. Um, Not only in terms of sales expectations, which have just increased to growth of 25 to 30% from 20% previously But also importantly the number of centers previously I think they were forecasting about 10 to 12 centers and now they're looking at 14 centers So it's a really nice combination when you've got sales growth of 20 to 25% Together with a rollout of 14 new centers That's obviously going to increase the valuation of the company and the business
2: Okay, so Is that important for the growth of the business that they've just got to keep increasing the sites? And is this the one where the existing dentists stay in the practice as well? So you've got all of that uh, reputational you um, want
0: the you know, existing dentists to yeah. stay there because they're the ones with the relationship with the community around them. And if yeah. you have a look at dental relationships, they go on for a very long time. I mean, oh, I, mean I haven't changed my dentist no, since I was that adult. I think. Um, if
2: only they could invent a silent drill. <laughs> that's all i would like a silent, a silent drill silent drill. perfect
0: how about no drill <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no drill would be perfect yeah. but look i think they're doing things right and i think what's happening at hpf is really helping right. them in terms of the rollout of centers and their revenue
2: so you're saying a buy at these yes. levels yes okay all right um now julia simone wants a view on Qantas. um the uh uh, the big Australian that's sort of trying to battle to get back into the air, both domestically and, and also internationally as well. Mm. Uh, well, today the there closes. was some
0: good news. The borders are going to reopen yeah. between New South Wales and Queensland. Yeah. So that's good news for uh, travel. But having said that, previously Qantas was guiding that um, earnings, underlying earnings in the first half would be at break even. But that was before the lockdown in December, the closing of borders between New South Wales and uh, a lot of the other states. And, which and into, a holiday
2: period. And it's a
0: hugely popular period. It's a peak yeah. period where a lot of people cancelled their holiday plans. So, look, I think this one's subject to a downgrade um, because of the guidance they've given in terms of the first half. Right. I don't think they're going to be at break-even uh, earnings given what we saw in December. Right. And I think they're going to be under. So, look, short-term, I think there's negative news there. Longer-term, it depends on the region opening but look I think the reopening is going to be slower than expectations so Qantas here um, I'd probably be staying away here and I think it's um, potentially got another downgrade if I was interested in it I'd buy it after that bad news has passed.
2: Right and because their domestic business has always been the most profitable part has everyone said oh if you can't fly overseas Qantas will be dead but uh, not so because domestically They're really strong and have always been strong.
0: Well, the Sydney to Melbourne route is one of the most profitable in the world. I think it's the second most profitable route in the world. So um, I guess if we do see a reopening of that, and then it also depends on um, when business travel comes back because obviously that's quite a popular um, flight for business travellers.
2: And we've all changed our habits in Mm -hmm. business Uh, now, haven't we? Nathan, what do you think of Qantas? Yeah,
1: look, this is a... um, I suppose probably the best way to put it is the uh, it's probably the better one in a really bad sector.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) And I mean, airlines are crap business, but um, Qantas is actually good, but not because it's you know phenomenally managed well or it's has got great dynamics. It's just because it's got a monopoly play. Um, There's a number of dynamics that's going to change that's going to challenge this. Now, one of them is obviously what's happening with uh, you know their valuation is predominantly supported by domestic business and frequent flyer program. Now that's still, frequent flyer program still solid and it does quite well. earns them a, a good chunk. And I think at one point it was worth more than the body flying around. So it tells you how well that business yep. is doing. Um, now, if you look at the domestic business, I think it's okay, it'll recover. But Julia's right, um, the period that, of lockdown is massive because that's the holiday period. Uh, that's where everyone was hoping to travel. We were too. <laughs> that all got transferred. So you think about how those things have affected them. It'll hurt them. Um, now, if you look at the international travel, I think it's going to get tough. I mean, if you've got to look at what's happening in the vaccine and the rollouts and how that's going to play out. Um, you've got so many variants, vaccines are less um, efficacy in the new variants. That could get worse. Now we've got rollout issues in the US, Europe. Um, so that's got You know, it'll take longer than expected. Uh, the emerging markets are not going to get the vaccine for
0: Amazing, you're making me cry. (laughs) Doesn't sound like we're ever going to travel again.
1: (laughs) Think about it. Emerging markets. I mean, I love going to Southeast Asia, but, you know, we're probably not going to go there till 2022, uh, back end of it, most likely, because by the time the vaccine gets around to everyone and you have to assume at the same time that the new variants that come out and inevitably they're going to come out, it's a probability game, um, that are effective for the vaccine. So if that is, you know, if that changes, again, you open up new risk. But uh, on the flip side, you look at the domestic business, it's probably going to get boost from the fact that you can't go overseas. Uh, but then on the other side of it, you got Virgin coming in. And the new boss of Virgin, I mean, she used to run A2 Milk. I mean, she's good. I expect the new model of Virgin to be better and will challenge Qantas. So mm. it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Even Alan Joyce came out and said there's only going to be one guy surviving um it's a an interesting comment to make when a new guy is coming in yeah. um and you know she's not much well, she she, be, she uh, also used to run jetstar didn't she before yeah.
2: a2milk so yeah alan she, alan her
1: <laughs> yeah uh, alan's playing a game here uh, look i put my money on her um i put my money on her and a2milk when she left we sold out of a2milk and that was at 19 dollars. and uh it's not 19 anymore so there you go Um, and I'll back her to do well. So I think Virgin will eat into Mm -hmm. Qantas, and Alan knows that, um, and that's why Alan is talking it up. So Julia's right, they're due for a downgrade. I think there's more competition for the domestic market. I think it's a tough play. If you want to play the opening up, play there's better, lower risk exposures than Qantas. Um, And look, even Warren Buffett said it, airlines and insurance are tough, unless they're cheap as, and Qantas is not cheap. So I wouldn't be buying Qantas. Um, a couple of follow-up
2: questions because uh, we have more than just Qantas listed on our market. There's Rex; um, they did a big thing on Australia Day, flying one of the uh, uh, the old Virgin planes o- o- over Sydney Harbour with the Rex livery, so it's upgraded. And then then you've got Alliance as well, which an airline probably um, mining services business combination. Um, how yeah. how would you rate Qantas? against rex and alliance rather.
1: Uh, look alliance is probably the best out of the lot um it's managed as well as anything could be they've got capacity um they're probably a bit more protected um and look, as you said there are more of a mining services and that part of the business i don't think is going to suddenly um reduce i think it's probably going to increase over the next 12 months with reflation so i think alliance holds up better um and i think rex you know, that's you've got the liquidity issues that it plays out. But I'll prefer if I had to pick one, I'd probably go with the lines and the share price tells you why you're there and, and how good it is. Yeah. Um, so I think that's yeah. your play there. One is it OK, but I just think yeah. you've got your risk return doesn't favor you. Yeah. Julian? Sure, yeah.
0: I mean, I'd just be staying away from the whole space at the moment. Yeah. There are um, other opportunities. E- e-
1: even the other ones, though,
2: like your uh, flight centers, Webjet, corporate travel, just not just airlines, but you'd just stay away from travel altogether.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we did play things like Flight Centre or WedJet last year, but we got out in the late stages of last year, um, right. given the valuations that were around in the market. Yeah. Um, you know, the, these companies had recovered, but there was no real prospect of, return to normal until three or four years time. So I think the market was being too optimistic when um, the Melbourne lockdown finished and then we saw a surge up in these stocks. But look I think there will come a time when the downgrades are probably out of the way. But at the moment I think just the uncertainty and the fact that Things are, are getting worse in a lot of the places in the world while this vaccine is being rolled out. Um, yeah. That makes me a bit more cautious on this yeah. space for the time being.
1: Yeah. I, I think the bigger the bigger threat is uh, you know, pretty much everyone, including airlines, uh, the travel stocks, the airports, the, you know, the tourism related stocks, all of them. The longer these things carry on, they'll have to raise more money uh, because they have to cover the, mm. the revenue hole. And when they're doing that, it just reminds you of what happened to Property Trust after the GFC. You raise so much money, and a lot of them have already done that, they'll have to come and do it again. And so they issue more and more millions and millions of shares. That doesn't just dilute your earnings per share now, it pretty much dilutes your earnings per share into the future. So it creates a huge block against you know big growth into the future. So your cyclical recovery cycle in earnings per share gets diluted by the excess issuance. Yeah. And there's a huge risk that all of these stocks over the next three to six months will have to come back to the market and issue a lot more shares. So yeah. I think that's the yeah. big risk in the cyclical recovery story.
2: Yep, yeah, absolutely. Good discussion. Thank you for that. Um, Ollie, um, Julia wants a view on Oznet Services. Now they own uh, a lot of the distribute electricity distribution networks in Victoria mm, so they?
0: they're looking at electricity and gas distribution networks in Victoria and talking about having to issue more shares this is probably another one that's going to have to probably issue more capital they did recently do a uh, 650 million dollar hybrid issue but the issue is that they have um, another 700 million dollars expiring in September so right. look it means that unless they're able to find some money somewhere um, that they're they're probably going to need to do a capital raising somewhere down the track, and that's being reflected in the share price at the moment. Generally, when you think, look at infrastructure like this, utilities like this, they tend to be quite stable in terms of the share price, but you can see that this one is under pressure because mm. they're either going to have to do capital expenditure, which is going to be be a risk to distributions and probably even look at capital raising down the track or a way to raise some funds.
2: Okay, so not a great time to be getting into it at the moment, too uncertain and that dilution factor will have a big impact on everybody. If
0: you're really interested in in it, I'd get in after the capital raising where some of the balance sheet issues have been resolved. Okay,
1: Uh, Nathan? Yeah, this is one of those big cycles that the market has to get used to is that We've had a 40 years of falling bond yields, and all of these infrastructure stocks are pure, mainly geared up beasts. They've benefited from falling cost of borrowing, so they can, as Julia said, you roll over your debt, you roll over your debt, you're getting lower cost, lower cost, lower cost, you get good yield, and you're doing well. Now, why is that going to stop? Well, we've got reflation, and bond yields are bottomed out. It's what's happening in the US. That's all of that matters for the world. So as that recovers, all these infrastructure yield plays will get into trouble because their cost of debt is going to be higher the next cycle. Uh, And the market will start to price that in. So all infrastructure, or yield plays, utilities, will have rising costs into the future. Um, And that'll be something that's going to hit them in their cost base. So I would be very careful getting into any kind of pure yield plays um, that are geared up to extensive levels, and most of these utilities are, They're, they're designed for that, the tax benefit. So you've got to be careful going in. I think this cycle uh, that you've had for 40 years where buying infrastructure assets are not going to be the, the big returners that are, they have been in the last number of years because it's just been, a, uh, I suppose, the opposite trade, the reverse trade of cutting uh, cash rates and falling bond yields. Now we're going to start to see that going the other way. So all of these guys will have higher cost and lower dividend yields in the future.
2: Yep, sure. Okay. All right. So I know for Oznet from both Julia and Mathan there, um, really good analysis for you there, Ollie. Uh, our final stock to look at, Lisa. Mathan uh, wants a view on Oil Search, the big um, oil exploration uh, production business, oil and gas, uh, based in Papua New Guinea.
1: Yeah, look, this used to be, you know, uh, what I would categorize as Once Were Warriors. Um, you, know, one, you know, at one time this it was a challenge between trying to pick who's the best energy play in Australia. It was between Woodside and Oil Search, um, and you know, funny how that that's not the case anymore. Now it's a challenge between Santos and uh, Beach being the best uh, energy stocks uh, to have exposure to. Oil Search is as an interesting one. PNG, um, look. Uh, You can't say that there's a sovereign risk there, that's pretty much the main problem. Um, It's not as, you know, I suppose when you compare it to the other energy plays, um, it's LNG play, they're doing more into Alaska now, that's beginning to uh, pay some dividends. Uh, I expect that's probably where they're going to see more upside, but you're always going to have that sovereign risk with PNG, with the substantial exposure there. Uh, But look, I I think it's priced for that, Um, unlike, uh, you know, most of the others have done well. I don't think OilSage has outperformed as much. So, in the pecking order for the market, I think Santos and Beach tends to be the top two. Woodside, which is your high right. management, high assets, infrastructure play, um, and then oil OilSage turns up um, in a size basis. Um, so, that's where your upside is. If they can actually execute and get the growth rate going and you start to see less sovereign risk out of PNG, then this starts to play catch up with the other three. Um, look. Then you get the argument about clean energy, renewables, all of that's going to play. But most of these LNG plays are selling into Southeast Asian manufacturing cycle. And if you look at the LNG prices, they're actually at all-time highs right now. Uh, It's not the oil price, it's the LNG price. So that's at all-time highs. So these guys are doing well. Now the question is, how is their future going to be? Um, I don't know how that plays out, I think in the shorter term, um, there is a, a real risk that shale gas in the US blows up um, and if it does happen, then there'll be a shortage in LNG and um, energy side of things. So that should be a huge boost if that plays out. If that doesn't play out, I don't think oil surge will be the top three. So um, you're, you're playing a thematic where there's got to be a decent supply side shock. And yeah. I think in the LNG space, um, the big shock could be is that number of shale players go under um, with the new democratic leadership. Uh, moving to renewables and not out there trying to protect the basically zombie businesses that are shale. Uh, they've just geared up too much. They have to blow up eventually. So when they do blow up, um, there will be a shortage in the LNG market and that'll be a huge boost for Australia and uh, oil search as well. Okay. But otherwise, uh, at the
2: moment, now, no view from no. oil search? No.
1: Uh, I think it looks good for a reason. Uh, I don't think you need to be there. Okay. ¿Sí
0: uh, first of all, I like the outlook for the energy sector. We have yep. beach in our portfolio, but I think this is a year of recovery for the global economy. So that's going to bode well for the energy stocks. Having said that, you know, we heard from oil search yesterday and some of the things that we saw were a higher cost guidance coming out. And that's yep. one thing you don't want when you're looking at uh, any sort of miner, um that costs are going up. And then to develop those Papua New Guinea assets, it's going to require a whole lot of capital expenditure, not to mention an extra load of risk as well. So So look, oil search wouldn't be my preference in the space as well. And then as Nathan um, mentioned, LNG prices are reaching all-time record highs because it's been so cold in the Asian winter, so there's been a lot more use of it. And if you have a look at the companies that are exposed to those high LNG prices, well then you're looking at Woodside Petroleum, Santos and Origin. So look, having another look at Origin at the moment, because I think that's been one that's been ignored by the market because of the electricity side and coming out of COVID-19. Electricity prices may have uh, peaked. The wholesale electricity prices may have peaked, so we might see a bit more interest coming through in origin. Right.
2: So, you, but you prefer beach to oil search?
0: I wouldn't be buying oil search. Right. No. Okay,
2: all right. Let's just recap uh, our last five stocks. Ready Tech, a no from both uh, Julia and Nathan. Uh, Pacific Smiles, uh, a yes from Julia She likes the business. No from Nathan. Uh, Qantas, a no from both and and Julia basically saying, just keep out of that tra- travel sector, just avoid anything in it at the moment until there is more certainty going forward, because I know a lot of viewers get really excited about these travel areas. I think Flight Centre is one of the most uh, invested and followed stocks from uh, from AusBiz viewers and WebJets in there as well. But could be a while before you see any bounce back.
0: But if there was a company that just um, had holiday properties in Byron, I would certainly go long there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: holiday <laughs> properties <laughs> in Byron, yes, exactly. Uh Ausneta, no, Oil Search, no. Uh, both Nathan and Julia prefer a beach. Uh, Julia Lee from Berman Invest, thank you for joining us. good to see you. Thanks. Nathan Thompson-Dyram from Deep Data Analytics. Always great to catch up, even though you're a bit depressing and grumpy today in the outlook. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I get a smile. You've got the best smile of anybody on the call. All right, mate, good to see you. Nice to see you. Freya. All right, that's our show for today. Any stocks you'd like to flick us and cover here on the uh, on the call, email the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us at, uh, using the at Ausbiz TV handle. Reminder where to find all the stocks we have in the call's portfolio. Head to osbizco forward slash portfolio. Now, uh, just a quick note from us here at AusBiz, we're doing a survey of our subscribers to learn more about who you are and make sure we're producing the kind of content you want. It's open until February 10. Two people who fill that out will randomly uh, be selected to win a $2,000 account for Superhero that you can go and trade, so good incentive there. Uh, are you looking for your next investment then don't forget to tune in to the startup daily show every day the team brings you companies seeking capital and the latest in that startup tech area electric vehicles and um, are the hot topic as tesla turns a profit and a new startup is set to profit by creating a network of electric vehicle charging stations in regional australia to tell us more is the founder of Linga network adrian kenderis and he's coming up On the Startup Daily Show very shortly. So uh, look forward to your company tomorrow for the call, but a lot happening on AusBiz, which will continue straight after this.